On July 16, 1945, at 5.25 a.m., the entire world was changed forever, and a man who was witnessing the world change before his very eyes felt this unnerving pit in his stomach and said the words from the Bhagavad Gita, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. This man was Dr. Robert Oppenheimer, the lead scientist man of the Manhattan Project, who helped build the atomic bomb. And on this day, July 16th, 1945, they did a test of the, of the atomic bomb. And they saw the power that it held. And they were absolutely struck with in awe of the power of this bomb. It happened at what they called the Trinity site in New Mexico. And it was the first time a nuclear bomb had ever been detonated in the history of man. And they held this power in their hands to say, we now can bring death to so many people with our minds, science, technology. We have never seen the depths of technology and destruction ever before. And they knew the entire world was different at that very moment. The world would never be the same. I think this is very timely to talk about because there is a movie called Oppenheimer that is being released by Christopher Nolan, one of the great directors of our time. And it talks about the man who led the Manhattan Project, built a Manhattan bomb, and kind of the consequences of that. Now, I've never, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I really don't know what it's about, but that's what I've gathered from watching the trailer and, you know, reading a little bit about his life. That this man, before the world, before he started this project, the world was one way. He then built an atomic bomb and the entire world was different. And now we have been living in a post-atomic, post-nuclear world where the threat of nuclear war is always somewhere in the back of everyone's heads. That if something really, really, really goes wrong, people in charge of different nations have the powers to wipe everyone out. That is an incredibly scary and terrifying thought. Now, this movie goes into that, that this man who built this bomb, it was part of a team who built this bomb, they witnessed it on July 16th, 1945. They witnessed it. They witnessed the world changing before their eyes. And we are, we live in that world. You know, we even have like kitschy sayings where we say things like, oh, we don't want him to have the nuclear codes. You know, this kind of way of describing people who are crazy or, you know, go A-wire or whatever. We don't want them in charge of the power to destroy human life. It's something we all live with, whether we think about it or don't think about it. In the back of our heads, political turmoil could always eventually lead to this crazy, crazy, terrible nuclear war. And I've always had that in my head. I've always been like a little bit scared of that. I've always had this fear in the back of my head of like a nuclear war because I grew up in New Jersey. And I remember in seventh grade, one of my teachers was like, hey, if a nuclear bomb drops in New York City, you, we're all wiped out, okay? Nuclear blast, 25 mile radius. We are 20, within 25 miles of New York. We're getting wiped out. 50 mile radius, that's radi radiation poisoning. 100 mile radius, that's gonna get into the soil, food, all crops are destroyed. But all of us, we're, we're done if a nuclear bomb drops. I was like, okay, the radius blast. What about it? What if they miss and it drops in Queens? Are we still, let me see that map. Okay, we're still gone. All right, so we're wiped out. And they go, and they would say stuff like, well, they're not gonna, they're not gonna drop a bomb in Seattle. They're not gonna drop a bomb in Omaha. They're coming from New York. And I was always a little bit like, okay, uh, how are we supposed to live now? How are we supposed to just do math class right now or do this science class with this thought and threat of uh, someone dropping a bomb in the middle of Times Square and just 
evaporating the next second. Like the, our teacher said that to us, said that to me, and I've, I've kind of never let go of that. I've always had that in the back of my head, like, all right, I know the blast of a nuclear bomb is at least 25 miles. That can wipe everything out. So I've thought of now that I've moved to Texas, I'm a little less scared. I'm like, I don't know if uh, people are coming from Central Texas, you know, so it might be okay. But, you know, kind of a dark way, dark and funny way to look at the threat of, you know, nuclear power that we as humans have brought onto each other. So how do we live in this post-nuclear world? How do we live with the the ideas that we have created things that have literally can destroy worlds? We know we're supposed to follow Christ. We know we're living this Christian life, but we've also done things that are that are the exact opposite antithesis of Christ's message, which is, you know, one of peace, one of love, one of building each other up. And we have created things as humans that literally can destroy the creations of God. How we can also make sense of this and make peace of this, I want to go back to July 16th, but a few hundred years ago. On July 16th, 1251, in England, Our Lady, Mother Mary, she appeared to St. Simon Stock. And she gave him the scapular, um, and that kind of then evolved into the Carmelite order with their devotion to Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Take the words from Our Mother Mary to St. Simon Stock when she gave the scapula to him. She said, take this scapula, it shall be a sign of salvation, a protection in danger, and a pledge of peace. Think about that. She gave the scapula to St. Simon and said, this is a protection in danger and a pledge of peace. And it's a sign of salvation on July 16th. And like 700 years later, on July 16th, Oppenheimer and that team created the bomb and test the bomb that literally is the ultimate destruction piece, the ultimate sign of unpeace, the ultimate sign of danger. One of the ways we can try to make sense of this terrible, terrible achievement of human technology and destruction in the atomic bomb, we can actually find an answer a few hundred years earlier. Where the Carmelite order then has been devoted to um, people in their lives and the protection after death, um, and the prayers for people in purgatory, they've kind of dedicated their lives to um, our, our Lady in her intercession for us on earth. And it can be a great reminder that we can ask Mary's intercession even in the hardest times in our life. And in fact, we should be asking for intercession. We have to dive deeper into prayer to Jesus even in the hardest times of our life. The things that make the least sense, like an atomic bomb, that doesn't make sense in our brains of a God who is so good and merciful and wants a full life for us, and then an atomic bomb. It doesn't make sense. So July 16th is a good reminder that there are hard times. There are ridiculous human things that we do to each other. We, we treat each other with some of the wor in the worst ways possible as humans, both on a grand scale like the atomic bomb, but then also in our day-to-day -day lives, how we treat each other. But we need to lean into... Asking Mary's intercession, asking God for peace during danger, asking God for courage in hard times and to keep on with our everyday life. And I know for me, it could be hard to have really big, bad things happen and not feel shaken a little bit in my faith, not feel like, hey, where's the presence of God? Um, I know when you see like natural disasters, when you hear really bad things happening to people, think of something in your own life where you hear just like devastating news from someone you love. It can be really hard to make sense of that. It can be really hard to say, God, where are you? You know, uh, Mary, where's your intercession? Where's your protection? And this pledge of peace, where is that? But I had this kind of um, thought recently where it's like, hey, 
There's a lot I can worry about the future or the outcomes of things or the hard times that I've encountered in the past or the hard times in the future. But a lot of times holiness is how we live in the moment. God is calling us to holiness in this very moment. And fear of the future or things happen in the future, things I need to take care of or bad things that have happened in the past, a lot of times I can live in those moments. I'll think about the past, bad things I've done, bad things that have happened to me, how people are treating me. I think about the future, things I need to do, things I need to take care of, places I need to go, people I need to see. And it can distract me from the very moment, the moment to be holy. And I've had this, this thought recently. I felt God talk to me and say like, hey, like Pete, I'm calling you to live holy in this moment. And it reminded me of Matthew 6 in the gospel, in, in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says, hey, think about the birds in the skies. The father gives them food. They don't even think about what they're going to eat, but the father still gives them food. And think of how much the father loves you, you and I. Would he not give us the things that we need? So he says, don't worry about the things you're going to eat or the things you're going to wear, where you're going to go. Worry about righteousness and all of those things will be given to you as well. And that line is so powerful where it's like, seek righteousness first, seek living a holy life first, and we'll also get those things. God will provide all of our needs. He knows our needs. It says he knows the needs of us. He knows the needs of his children. I know God's going to take care of me. You know, when things are going good for me, all right, yeah, I feel God's blessings. You know, got good food on my table, got a job. Okay, this is great. I feel God's blessings. But what about when something big goes down, like atomic bombs? How can that, how can we then trust God and lean into praying for God. How can we lean into God? And I think it's about that leaning into God in our everyday life, leaning into God even when it doesn't make sense, praying to God even when it doesn't make sense, trusting that God is the Lord of our life even when it doesn't make sense, even when the worst of the worst things can happen. So on July 16th in our Catholic Church calendar, it is the Feast of Our Lady Mount Carmel. So we celebrate this apparition of Mary to St. Simon, but it's also the state that the atomic bomb was first tested. So every July 16th, a group of people go to New Mexico to the Trinity site where they tested the atomic bomb and they pray. They offer up mass. They say rosaries. They just sit at the feet of Jesus and offer up prayers at the site of something terrible. Sister Patricia McCarthy is one of the people who goes to the site year after year. And she writes some incredible words that kind of explain the reasoning of going there to the site and praying. She says, people there refusing to believe that faith and love are powerless over hate and weapons. What good is a handful of people praying through the night against such high-tech destruction and capability? Or as many have asked through the years, what good does it do to keep going there year after year? In the face of all this potential for death to humanity and earth itself, what can a handful of people praying in the desert do? What can God do? Questions come easier than answers, she writes. But as the night progresses, a flicker of response sparks. In the darkest of the night, because we are there at the site of humanity's unleashing of destruction beyond comprehension, Christ is there with us in the blessed sacrament. Against every bomb built, used, or tested, we kneel in adoration to our creator as an act of defiance to destruction. We kneel to the God of love rather than the God of hate. We kneel in the presence of one another as brother and sister instead of enemies. I think that is just like the clearest response to me for how we can live in a world that on one end of it, we want to follow Jesus and live our lives and treat each other well and follow his path for us. 
Then on the other end of it, we have the way that we treat each other can be so, so bad that it destroys each other, destroys us, destroys the world. So that is such a powerful reminder to not give in to hopelessness, to keep praying to God, to go to God in prayer day after day, night after night, year after year, to trust that God as the creator is stronger than destruction and that we as brothers and sisters, as a communities are stronger than those who want to divide us. And I'll close this episode with a quote from her from one of her articles where she talked about the power of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and talks about how that is our path to salvation. Jesus is our path to salvation. And his presence in the Eucharist is the ultimate example of how we can fight against the destruction of man that we pose to each other. She says this. She's talking about what they do when they're praying, when they're having this vigil, when they're saying rosaries, and then they say mass. They have mass right when the time at 525. Remember 525? When Oppenheimer saw the bomb go off? Well, at 525, they start having the liturgy of the Eucharist every single year. She says the Eucharist is the nonviolent prayer of the nonviolent Jesus. It is Jesus choosing to be the victim so as to us be victorious. His way is not the American way, nor the way of the world, but it is supposed to be the way of the Christian. Trinity site is not merely a code name. It is the sacred word of the Father who embraces over all the Son who loves and the Spirit who is the breath of life for all. We abide in their passionate union with each other. It is who we are. It is why we are in the desert of destruction praying for new life. We are there in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. That's why they're there. They call it the Trinity site because it is where they tested the atomic bomb, which could destroy worlds. But we go and pray because we're there in the name of the real Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray. That's why we pray when it doesn't make sense. That's why we lean into God when it doesn't make sense. Because you can try to say it's the Trinity site, but we have the real Trinity. We have the real Jesus. We have the real Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are always going to be there for us. And that's why we lean into them. We lean into the real Trinity when it's hard. Thank you all for checking out this episode. Hope you all liked it. Make sure you like and subscribe. Reach out to me with any thoughts, questions. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Thank you all again for watching. Talk to you all soon.